Welcome to the Go To Thrive Podcast, the place to inspire people in the workplace and go to thrive. Mary Jane Roy and Vivian Aqua want to make happiness the new norm and offer solutions to create higher engagement in the workplace. Our Go To Thrive Podcast guests of today are Angela Gest-Mukko and Shaila Gemin. Both of them are leadership coaches with a core focus on executive development, individual and team coaching, as well as research. Welcome, Angela and Shyla. And Angela first and then Shyla, please do share something of who you are, something that we won't easily find on LinkedIn, why you're doing what you're doing, and especially why you're doing this together. So what is the chemistry? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm uh, originally British. Uh, I've been in the Netherlands for 26 years, I calculate, in uh, October, and so spent my entire working career here in the Netherlands. And and my background is pretty much in corporate environments, uh, leadership roles for global, uh, regional, HR, leadership and organization development positions. And I discovered very early on in my career that I had a passion for uh, learning and development and for coaching From the very first moment that I delivered a training class and saw the light go on in somebody's eyes when they uh, got it on the topic that uh, I was teaching. And so I knew immediately that that was where I wanted to spend the rest of my career. So for the past three, four years, I've been working as an independent consultant and coach in the field of leadership development, executive coaching, team coaching. And I met Shyla through the Professional Women's Network in Amsterdam. She was partnered with me as my mentor as I was getting started in my business. And I think within the first one or two conversations, we kind of looked at each other and said, you know what, we should be working together. Um, why? Because uh, you, we, we brought such diversity of perspective together and yet had a, a very similar way of looking at the world. We're both quite direct but Shyla comes from that uh, technology engineering background, the sports background, uh, entrepreneurial background. Uh, she's Dutch. I, on the other hand, British, come from the global corporate background and very much interested in uh, the soft side of skills development in leadership, you know, how we create those environments for collaboration, for creativity, for innovation. And we found that that was really our binding uh, topic in the middle, coming from different perspectives and yet really passionate about helping leaders and teams grow to be even more successful, uh, particularly relative to uh, tapping into diversity and the power of diversity in creativity and innovation. Fantastic. Thanks, Angela. And Shyla, for yourself? Well, there's nothing more that I can add <laughs> to what Angela did a good just job <laughs> I think I'm done here. Uh, so, you know, maybe a funny thing to add to that is that I call us salt and pepper. Um, not only because the way that, that we look, but also that we are both, you know, we bring flavor and a different kind of flavor to the topic of leadership. And I think the way that Angela described it, you know, her background and mine, which is, it's not really different, but it brings a different perspective. It adds up and it, it's a very nice combination. I'm very practical in how can, do we get things done? Angela is, um, is ingenious if it's about models and theories and how to bring them into practice. 
So we have some very interesting, the Dutch interesting conversations, <laughs> how to do leadership development and how to create an impact, not only within leadership in general, but also within diversity and our thought leadership regarding diversity. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you. Angela, why yeah. is it so important for senior level executives to enhance their self-awareness? So this uh, has always been a passionate subject for me for many, many years since getting started in the field of management leadership development. If we don't know ourselves, uh, then how can we possibly know how to engage in the most effective way to tap into the, the creativity and the power of another person's slice of genius. Um, so as leaders, we are responsible for driving contribution of others uh, to achieve the strategic priorities of an organization. And to do that, we have to be able to set the right tone, the right frame to uh, tap into the abilities, the talents, the possibilities, the potential uh, that our team members uh, bring to the table. And we can only do that if we understand who we are and therefore how we need to adapt to the requirements of uh, someone else to recognize where our strengths are, our weaknesses, our challenges, where we need to lead and where we need to step back and allow others to lead. Uh, Self-awareness is key to all of that. It reminds me so much of knowing thyself as a self-leadership mm -hmm. or leading others. Isn't yeah. that the essence of, of this, what you're saying? Completely the essence of it. One of the other topics that, that I like to talk about a lot when I'm working with leaders is um, emotional intelligence. So we know that 85% of our success is really driven through the ability to engage with others, to negotiate, to handle conflict, uh, to persuade, to influence, to bring people together, to work together effectively. And that all comes down to emotional intelligence and the core of emotional intelligence, where it all starts. The number one building block there is self-awareness. Because if we don't understand who we are, then we cannot self-regulate um, how we show up. We cannot possibly be uh, socially aware of what others' uh, needs are. We can't demonstrate empathy if we don't understand who we are. And we can't build effective relationships. So self-awareness is key to all of that because technical ability is only accountable for 15% of our success. That's it. And yet so many times we may be drawn to lean on that technical ability because it's safe, right? Emotional intelligence is sometimes taking us into uncharted territory, taking us out of our comfort zone. And we can feel challenged by that, particularly when we get feedback that pushes us uh, to consider how we show up and, and perhaps adapt our approach to be more effective. It can feel challenging, it can feel threatening, and yet that's where the power uh, of leadership lies. Thank you. And music to my ears, by the way. Shyla, can you share with our audience why diversity has such an impact on an organization's success? The short version, I think, it's all about extracting or your competitive advantage, just to make sure that you are able to deliver whatever your company is delivering. But it's, it's, you need to be able to, to talk to each and every one of your clients. 
So if I get back to my own days as an entrepreneur and having quite a lot of different people in my company, you need them in order to innovate. You need them in order to just challenge yourself also. The way you think, the way you created your vision. I need all these kinds of people. And it doesn't matter. It's not about gender. It's not about age or religion or race or ethnicity. It's all together. So if you can just gather a very diverse network or team around you, you will be able to react quicker to changes. You will be able to come up with more innovative and creative solutions. You will be able to really have that competitive advantage towards your clients and basically the world and the society that we live in. So it's not longer a question, uh, do you need it? I think the question should be, how are you as a leader or as a leadership team within your company able to leverage on the diversity and make sure that diversity is being cherished and that you get the most out of it? Uh, if you look at, at organizations, bigger or larger organizations, you will see quite a lot of different kind of people. If you look at the millennials and startups and scale-ups nowadays, you will see that there is more integration of a different kind of people and you need that you know because we're living in a society that's global it's simply global you you can't just focus on your own little area you have to think global and you know, bringing it all together it just means that you have to be able as a professional to leverage on the diversity and the research is unequivocal in this area i think huh? yeah. it has shown over and over and over again that that this is really what companies need if they're going to grow and thrive. Yeah, there, there is one thing, there's the research. And I think second, it's also just, just go outside and look what's needed. What is needed in order to be, be, become successful? And again, to, to emphasize, you know, diversity is not only about gender. It's also about age. It's also about walks of life. It's a wide area of differences that you can use. So one expression that I will always use is that we're looking for a diversity of experiences and of skills. So it doesn't matter what kind of people is behind there. It's about what you can bring to the table. Well said. Absolutely. Thanks, Shyla. Angela, how can recognizing their own unique characteristics, talents, and capacity lead to leaders becoming the best versions of their selves? So for me, this uh, again comes back to this question of self-awareness. And, and so a big part of self-awareness is recognizing not only where our gaps are, uh, but something that I talk about a lot actually with leaders is remember to also recognize what you're really good at. Uh, what are your strengths? What are your passions? What is the unique ability, talent, contribution uh, that you bring to the table while also recognizing where you perhaps uh, don't enjoy playing? What are the things that you're required to do that don't get you energized uh, and therefore drain you? What are the areas that you're less good at and you would just be uh, much better positioned to tap into the skills and the abilities and the talents uh, of someone else? If you have that awareness, if you have that recognition, if you understand your limitations are, you can then actually begin to position yourself as a leader that is able to capitalize on the talents of others, capitalize on the performance and the potential, and to develop the next generation of leaders. So all too many times I, I work with leaders who 
seem to think that they have to hold on to power, to control things, to drive things. And that's not usually, not often the best uh, use of their time or their energy or their talent. And if they can actually learn to let go of some of those things and delegate more to those people that can uh, execute perfectly well on some of those responsibilities or can benefit from having an opportunity to engage in those activities so that they themselves can develop their skills, their capabilities, their talents to step up, then we free uh, the way to, to create a much stronger leadership cadre in the organization that means that we're not shackled to the position that we have. We give ourselves much more freedom. For example, a leader I spoke with uh, not so long ago said, you know, I don't get the time to do all of the stuff that I need to be doing to get out there, to talk with customers, to talk with stakeholders, to secure support for our business. And uh, my, my challenge back was, well, you're telling me that all of these other things that you're doing, um, why are you doing those things? Why can you not delegate those to the team members, the other leaders that you have hired in your organization? If you don't let go of some of the stuff that you used to be doing, there's no way you can step forward and show what you're capable of achieving uh, with all of these accountabilities that could really take your business to the next level. Yeah, and also, you know, passing the... Pass the torch or pass the baton. Yeah, yeah, pass the baton to other leaders who are looking up to you. And this brings me to the following, because as a millennial, I have an allergy for leaders who really want to control their people, who Mm -hmm. use their power to control their people. And I see leaders as mentors. How do you see leaders? I think that's what leaders need to be. If we take it back to the basic human condition, uh, you you have an allergy to leaders that want to control everything, but so do most people. Why is that? Because we're neurologically wired to need to know that we matter that our contribution matters, that our voice matters, that we add value. And if we as leaders do not allow people to see that they are valuable contributors in the organization by learning to let go, then uh, we are uh, diminishing the talent of those individuals, but also of the organization as a whole. What we need to be is what's uh, often termed In fact, Liz Wiseman wrote a book on this. We need to be multipliers of talent. And what we know about organizations with leaders who are multipliers of talent is that they are significantly more successful from a a business standpoint and financially as well. Thank you. There's a spinoff here with a lot of other questions, but we'll move, move it forward. And Shaila, question for you. The demands for high performance are the expectation within most organizations. With your sports background, what can you give our listeners as tips on how to become, as the term has been bandied about over the years, a corporate athlete? What's needed? Yeah. So let me start with the idea of the comparison between the sports world and the corporate world. I think that we can learn a lot from the sports world and the other way around, but it's, it's not applicable one-on-one because I think in the corporate world, the demands are more complex than within the sports world. The sports world is just a simple one goal, winning or losing. And in the corporate world, there are a lot uh, more factors and challenges that you need to tackle. So, but if I go back to the sports world and I think there are some principles that 
guides every athlete. And that's the, the, one of the most important factors for progress and for success within the sports world is consistency and is recovery. So if you translate that into the corporate world, you need to be aware of the fact that there needs to be inconsistency in the way that you are feeding yourself. And if you are taking a step towards the leadership part, you know, you need to be very consistent in the things that you do, the things that you say, the things that you predict and the way you want to lead other people. So, you know, you, you have to make for yourself a, a plan or a draft for yourself an outcome where you want to end and how you are going to achieve that. Also think about your support system. So who is going to help you to be successful in the role that you hold? Athletes have coaches, physiotherapists, uh, they have analytics, they have just the normal support system there to make sure that they will increase their chances to win. And that's something that you need to do within the corporate world as, as well. So that could be, you know, simple, just your sounding boards. It could be people who you can delegate things to. Create a very healthy team environment where trust and safety is one of the most important factors. Together with recovery, which is a very physical thing, but it really, I think in the end, it all comes down. You can perform on a very high level for a short period of time. If the company that I, that I founded seven years ago, one of the specialties that we have there is that we can develop people into athletes who are able to perform on a certain level. But the thing is, you can't perform 365 days each year on a high level. It's not possible for an athlete. It's just not possible. So one of the things that we always put into our training plans um, vision is that you need your recovery time. So you need your time to stand back physically and mentally and just take your time to recover, take your rest, take time to, to learn, take time to become maybe healthy again or maybe just to de-stress because if you don't do that, you will get in an, a very negative downward spiral. It's physically proven if you don't do that, that you will become a worse athlete and in the end you will burn out. And I think that's what we're seeing now in a corporate environment as well. If you want to perform on the highest levels, on the best of your abilities, then you need to take time to recover. You need to take time off. You need to take time to reflect. You need to take time to connect with the people around you. So to make a long story short, I think, is that, yes, look at what athletes do. Look at what they need and what they bring to the table in meanings of consistency plans, support systems, recovery time, and see how you can use it for your own advantage. I can okay. write a book about this. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You should. <laughs> Maybe we should do that together, Shyla. <laughs> One of the things that I just want to add on to what you're sharing is a couple of things that in the resiliency training that I do is to really ensure that people understand they can do these small mini recovery moments throughout the day. Mm -hmm. This doesn't have to mean always spending hours on yourself. It's really about the regular mini recoveries, two, three minutes a day, making contact with yourself. It can also bring you up to a different level. And weekends are not for recovery. That's also one thing that uh, I share with people. Don't expect that you can blast your way through the week, Monday to Friday, and make up for what's no. happened on the weekends, right? That is true. And, and, and back to uh, from, uh, from a, a sports perspective, not every human being is the same. 
you know, not everybody needs the same recovery cycles or needs the same recovery little parts that you can take. So you have to go back to who are you and what do you need in order to recover and or to learn. So again, you know, it's just simply not possible to perform on the, on the highest levels, 365 each day uh, a year. But maybe you just need the weekends, that's enough, and you can work all through the week, or maybe you just need your holidays to, to totally recover. But what I found out is that we really underestimate the fact that we think that we are superhumans and we can do everything all the time and that we can be great leaders and we can be great parents and we can be great social beings and we can be great doing volunteering stuff but the fact is is that it will catch up on us and you have to be very aware of that and find out what works for you so it's, yeah, it's not one absolutely. one recipe for all you have to find out what works for you yeah no yeah. that's that's absolutely true thanks a lot Shyla. thank you thank you Angela, how important is mindset to a leader? Um, so mindset is critically important to every human being on the planet, but, but you know, to leaders, uh, absolutely, in terms of driving uh, business success, personal success, team success. When I knew that you were going to ask me this question, I actually Googled mindset and I thought, I wonder what's going to you know, appear in the Google search. And you get 130 million results on the word mindset. It, it's mind-blowing. But um, the term was apparently first recorded in 1925 to 1930, somewhere around there. And yet it seems like a modern-day concept, right? And uh, possibly since Carol Dweck popularized it with her work on fixed mindset versus growth mindset, most of the articles out there are on that topic of fixed versus growth mindset. And of course, if I build a little bit on some of the things that Shyla shared there around the importance of building in uh, recovery time, recognizing we cannot be these perfect super beings in business all the time. We also need to, to build in time for reflection and recovery. This is one of the diseases of uh, those high achievement orientation leaders that we see in business today. I don't know how many where this badge of honor that says, well, you know, I go out partying till five in the morning and then I'm at my desk at six and who needs sleep? And, you know, I'm just, you know, rocking it and I'm 50 and I'm having a great time and who needs sleep? And I'm thinking, wow, you're just a heart attack waiting to happen. Um, we all need to have the mindset that we are not infallible. We are human beings. We have the opportunity to learn and to grow and we need to, to challenge ourselves. I mean, mindset is, it's an attitude. It's uh, an inclination. Mindset determines what we pay attention to and therefore what we focus on. And what we focus on determines the uh, results that we prioritize and the success that we're able to have or not. Because if we focus on uh, the right things with the, the right attitude, recognizing that we uh, always have the opportunity to learn, to grow, to develop, to discover new ways, to tap into new insights, to bring in diversity of perspective, to understand that from our own single individual vantage point, we cannot possibly see all the permutations that might be possible in any business situation, that makes us powerful. So what Carol Dweck wrote about in terms of that growth mindset, that learning mindset, 
is really important to business leaders today because it absolutely determines what we pay attention to and therefore what we focus on. Thank you. Just one little thing is that in order to know where you want to focus to, you really need to know your values, where you want to go, what's important for you in life, what the legacies you want to leave. And that all comes down to what Angela told us before, I think prior in this conversation, is that you really need to have a clear idea of what your added value is. And if you have that, you can serve others as well. So your mindset is also about what can I do for others? So how can I make other people successful? How can I make sure that the team that I work with will thrive if I'm not even there? So, you know, and that comes back maybe again to the sports part is that you really need to have a clear idea. So what do you want to achieve? What is your added value? And to make sure that, that these are very clear to everyone around you as well. So you can ask for help the moment that it's needed. Yeah, so the mindset part for me is, is basically also about knowing yourself and make sure that you can leverage on, on that knowledge as well. I think, you know, as far as this next question, I think you both have answered it in multiple ways, but maybe you can each summarize something from, from what you've shared. But what are your visions of the future for thriving workplaces slash workspaces? Angela, can I begin with you? Yeah, I sort of sat and, and, and thought about this one for about a few seconds. <laughs> and I know what I'm passionate about in terms of workplaces that thrive. Uh, and it all centers around this ability for leaders to shape cultures that are both safe and challenging. And it's managing that tension within the workplace to ensure that we've got the right level of demands placed on talent to stretch them within a secure, safe, supportive environment that allows them to thrive, to flourish, to grow. What we really need in thriving workplaces uh, that are future-proof is a greater degree of curiosity. And it's not about believing that we have to be these superhuman leaders that have all of the answers um, sometimes we have the answers and sometimes we don't. But the simple recognition that practicing curiosity on a daily basis allows us to connect with others, allows us to uncover things that perhaps we had never even thought of, to discover those uh, weak signals of when something is coming that is going to disrupt our business, our market, our industry, that's going to require us to be open to adapt, to change, uh, to leverage our strengths and ensure that we are continuously evolving so that we remain relevant over time. That's what creates a sustainable business and a workplace that allows people to thrive. Oh, Angela, thank you for that. Yeah, well said. Shyla, any, any visions of the future? Maybe tapping into my own experience is that I think, you know, workplaces of the future will become more and more virtual. So, you know, meeting people in person will be um, maybe even a luxury in the end. So, giving the idea that workplaces will be virtual, how do you create thriving places? So, what I've learned from a personal perspective is that what, what my employees needed and still need is the knowledge that there is trust and that there is somebody who will care 
also create a safe environment where they are able to express whatever they want to express. Open communication and, and integrity in a way that, you know, visions and goals and your own intentions are very clear as a leader makes the workplace a very nice place to be, a good place to be. So what I've heard from the people that worked for me and with me, uh, the openness of communication and the way that we just work together because there was trust is very, very important. I give them quite a lot of uh, space and also I give them quite a lot of freedom in decision-making and they always know, they can call me anytime, whether I'm, it's the middle of the night or maybe it's in the weekend, I'm always there for them. And that gives them the feeling and also the space to, to flourish. And I think that that was my contribution to the company that I now, well, now I sold, but that's what it made a success in the end. Great. Thank you so much, Shaila. Can I just add one, one uh, final thought to that to just uh, build on what Shaila shared there about trust? Because it's a critically important uh, point that she's highlighted 2018 Edelman Trust uh, Barometer, so one of the most respected surveys, measurement tools in the world today, uh, looking at levels of trust uh, in multiple different environments, asked uh, survey respondents about uh, the number one job for um, CEOs and found that nearly seven in 10 respondents um, said that building trust is the number one job for CEOs ahead of high quality products and services. I mean, that says a huge amount about the importance of leaders being able to, to build environments that are founded on trust, teams that are founded on trust, and relationships founded on trust. It, it's key. It is a critical factor. Thank you both. Thank you both. Thank you, Angela and Shaila, for sharing valuable tips on what it takes for leaders and organizations to thrive. To the listeners, if you have any questions or comments about this episode, please share them with us on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye. 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 Go to Thrive Podcast. Empower people to be happy before, during, and after work.